Thank you, Tim, and welcome to those joining us for the first time today. I am honored to introduce our esteemed panelists for a session, switching it up from coaching to administration. Now, you may click in the link in the chat to review the session description as well as their bio. And if you have not already done so, I kindly ask that everyone switch to speaker view, uh, just so you may see on your big screen who's speaking at the time. And feel free to submit questions to our panelists in the chat box. Now let's welcome Preston Beverly, formerly coach at Hofstra University, Jeff Jackson at Big 12 Conference, and Jen Noon at Fairleigh Dickinson Forum. Now, just so our attendees can get to know you guys just a little on a personal level, briefly share your journey of being a coach and your transition into working in athletic, athletic administration. And Jen, why don't we start off with you? Hi, thank you, Tony. Um, welcome, everyone. I am thoroughly uh, pleased to be here today. And um, I just want to let you know from my journey, it started as attending Rutgers University playing field hockey, unfortunately went through a coaching change and um, was stuck with where I was going in life. Uh, I was a pre-med major, thought I was going to be a trauma surgeon. And as we all know, we never do what we're first set out to do. Uh, with that being said, I followed my coach to Fairleigh Dickinson University after I graduated and she gave me an opportunity and I seized that opportunity. I was an assistant coach for field hockey, basketball, lacrosse, golf, and uh, I just worked my way up the ladder. I found myself um, wanting to inspire others. I loved coaching. I loved having an impact on the students, but I felt as if I needed to have an impact on more than just our field hockey student athletes. And um, now you can find me being the athletic director, uh, where I just um, had my two-year anniversary yesterday, and I'm thoroughly excited to share the story and insight to all of you. Thank you, Jen, for that introduction. I almost wanted to be a doctor myself, and that one has turned out well. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, let's move over to Preston. Why don't you share your journey with the attendees? Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, so my journey, you know, I'm a 2005 graduate from Virginia Military Institute. Um, and after I finished there, started playing semi-pro basketball and then kind of dove right into coaching right from that. Um, but then really being an administrator was the opportunity came from junior college uh, with the, the ability to have basically that tool, that dual role responsibility um, and just loved every second of it, the ability to be able to influence not only student athletes, but also administrators. Um, it's just, I loved it, loved every second of it. So, uh, you know, that, that's kind of my, my journey in a nutshell. Nice, thank you for that question. And finally, moving on to Jeff. Well, good afternoon, everybody. My name's Jeff Jackson. I'm currently the Executive Associate Commissioner in the Big 12 Conference. I'm not sure I would describe what I've done since this journey, but, but we'll go with that term. Um, started out as a student athlete at Cornell University. Uh, went into coaching, was actually my senior year in college to head junior varsity coach in that program. Um, got into uh, coaching with a lot of passion. Ended up being an assistant coach at several institutions. And for 10 years was a division one head coach 
my last spot being the head coach at Furman University. After my time at, Fenier, at uh, Furman had moved, uh, expired, I guess is the best way to say it, I decided that I wasn't going to go back back into coaching and want to get into administration. So I spent some time visiting with a lot of people, people on campus, ADs, and started thinking a lot about working in the conference office, the conference environment. Was fortunate enough to uh, gain a position as the deputy commissioner of the Big South Conference. Uh, worked for Kyle Talander. Um, it was a very uh, profitable experience for me, especially coming from coaching and not having done all the things that you do on an administrative level. Um, going into a deputy position, I was exposed to a lot of different things, whether it was uh, a new set of acronyms like RFPs and things of that nature. Proved extremely worthwhile. And uh, over the last two years, I, I had my position in the Big 12. So as you can see, our panelists have different journeys on going from coaching to administration to ask some questions for you guys. And just um, going back to um, your early years, whether in college or your early years of working in your current role, could you recall an instance that made you aware of the type of leader you aspire to be and the qualities you sought out to develop in order to be that type of leader? And Jeff, since you're on my big screen, I'll let you start off with this one. Yeah, I'm not so sure there's any one particular experience. I think when you're around people who are in leadership positions, just the nature of coaching, you're always uh, intermingling and integrating with those who are looking out for the best interests of student athletes, the best interests of institutions, um, trying to get something or getting a group of people to merge together and find some success. So, you know, I think what you find yourself doing is you're, you're taking nuggets from a lot of different factors. You know, you, you may hear an AD say something, you hear, you know, a coach on the road say something, you may hear a student athlete say something, and you're trying to draw from all those experiences to, figure out the best way to do your job and the best way to have an opportunity to integrate with those student athletes in successful fashion. Right. I like that answer, drawing from everywhere, no matter where you are. Um, Preston, would you like to go next? Sure thing. Uh, you know, similar to Jeff, I wouldn't say it'd be one particular thing, but I would say that I'm more of a servant leader, and I think that's really been me throughout my entire uh, life, you know, whether it's playing on the court with the team, constantly working, uh, but then also too administratively. And, you know, when you think about who are some of the best servant leaders, uh, you know, Truett Cathy uh, for Chick-fil-A, phenomenal industry. Um, you know, when you talk about some of the uh, individuals who, who are speaking, you know, some of the best public speakers and, and things that they talk about, whether it's John Gordon or even Damian West, you know, it's, it's the same thing and having that integrity the humility and the flexibility, um, you know. So for me, it would be you know, servant, servant leader. I like that term, a servant leader, because we often forget that as a leader, we're here to give back and serve others. That's a great term. Jeff, I mean, Jen, I'd like to hear from you. Sure. I think, again, I think this is where we um, are a sponge and we are always learning. Um, sorry, I thought I cut out. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, is um, intentional leadership. I think it's a matter of being genuine. I think it's a matter of being proactive and having a plan. I think right now what we're facing in society is we have to be very, very reactive as much as we like to have plans in place and we like to build upon that. Um, I really think it's important that we are intentional with what we're doing. Other qualities, I think, is um, just that growth mindset. 
Um, I don't have all the answers. I never will have all the answers, but I can lean on others to be able to provide us experiences or any information that they could um, lead me to um, being the best that I could be and shadowing that onto our students at Fairleigh Dickinson. Right. Being a good leader and having that team around you, that's what, you know, makes everything work. <laughs> now, Kristen, I know a lot of people, they usually think like coaches is just X and O and you focus on what's on the court, but if you could talk to us about the important roles for coaches to take off the court, which help prepare student athletes for a life after college. You know, with my various experiences at Division three, two, one, and, and even junior college, you know, college is that, that space for our student athletes to really grow and develop um, into the adults that they'll be. So I've been really fortunate to work for individuals who have taken a holistic approach uh, to just their coaching and their lifestyles. I mean, you look at what's going on in, in today's society and you just look at how many coaches are on scale. Um, I mean, even Greg Popovich at all different levels, but are all talking out. And, you know, while they're not, while Dawn's doing the student athletes and obviously Greg Popovich isn't, um, you know, the people that are working underneath them feel comfortable to be able to have that stance. So, you know, as a coach, don't just be an X's and O coach. You know, take the, take the time to really invest and to pour into your student athletes with things outside of your sport. And it can be as small as starting off with a book club, um, but have it be a, a meaningful and purposeful book. Um, or, you know, even just ask them, you know, talk about their lives outside because now's really the opportunity to be able to really dive into them and help them become our future leaders. Just made a great point out there on um, any coaches that are listening. It is so much more than just coaching on the court, like especially during this time where all the student athletes and administrations are looking to their coaches to be an advocate or a safe space for their student athletes. So I commend any coaches out here who are going up and beyond for their jobs. Thank you. Now, Jen, currently an athletic director. In your time when you started off, you hired five new coaches. As a former coach yourself, what influenced you in making the decision to hire these new coaches? Well, I will say um, being hired as an internal candidate and um, really being one of the coaches, I always say that it's a we mentality in our department. Um, and in this role as the director of athletics, I'm just coaching the coaches and it stems from there. We always say that it's just a cyclical approach. Um, so uh, one thing that kind of influences the hiring is the fit. I think it's really important that you need to fit into what our mission is, what our vision is, what we are trying to do to educate our student athletes. What are we trying to do to inspire and change their lives? Uh, one thing that we really pride ourselves at the university is that we want to make sure that this is the best four or five years that these students are experiencing. And when they cross that stage, um, unfortunately not this year, but um, when they do cross that stage that they have no regrets and they can look back and they can say that I gave everything that I could have while I was a devil at FDU. What you're saying, it's not just about applying for any coaching job, but also to do your research 
into the institution to see if your goals and mission aligns with the institution. Absolutely. Now, Jeff, you took a, a certain different route, which you kind of talked about in your introduction. Um, you worked in athletics, but now you work at a conference. What made you want to take a different route in athletics after completing your coaching career? And were you strategic in wanting to work at the conference level, or did you ever consider working at an institution? Uh, well, to be quite frank, recruiting. Um, when, you, when you get to my age, the idea of uh, texting 24-7 and chasing down 16 18 year olds is not quite as appealing. So uh, it, it was time, and, and I did look at you know, whether it was something where I would be better in campus environment or being in a conference office. Um, I think they're very different, and I think the campus environment is much more dynamic, um, and I think that suits certain personalities, and I think the conference office is probably a little bit more corporate, um, and I was intrigued by the uh, corporate structure of the conference office. I think um, getting into more of the business entities of it, the uh, how do things work, how does a, how does a championship function, um, how do you regulate an administrative sport, I think those things were appealing to me, and as I mentioned earlier, I was fortunate enough to uh, gain a position where I was afforded the opportunity to participate in those, uh, those different traits, those different things. I like that. And what I like, again, about these panelists is they're so diverse. So once again, if any coaches are listening, you can do your research. If you want to stay at an institution or at the conference level, you do have the quality of what it takes. Just reach out and find out how you can, you know, be more involved. Now, Preston, I'm going to move it back over to you. How has your experience to help and inform current coaches to aspire to work in athletics administration? Um, you know, I would say obviously uh, the biggest thing would be to, to hop on an NACTA and really find, you know, Jenna talked about fit for your institution. You know, find an area that you're really passionate about. You know, making that transition from coaching into administration, you know, it, it can be a little rocky, but once again, if you're doing something that you love, there shouldn't be a problem. So the first thing would be to find an area that you really love that you have passion for. And then secondly, you know, at your current institution, obviously they're gonna have that position and that role. Volunteer, you know, even now with today, um, what's going on with COVID and everybody being remote, you can still volunteer. So, you know, I would say that that probably be the, the second thing is to to volunteer um, because I don't think anybody's ever going to say no to some extra help, um, especially now in, in, with today's economy and, and roles being being restricted. Everybody, no one would say no to free help, and that's a good point about <laughs> yeah. COVID. If everyone's cutting their budget right now and they need extra hands, um, if you're a coach and you want to dip your hands in a championship, a tournament that's coming on, I Feel free to reach out to someone in conference, guess who's at a conference, say, hey, do you mind if I help out? I'm pretty sure they won't turn you away. Yep. <laughs> Thank yep. you for that, Preston. Speaking of professional development, uh, Jen, you were a 2013 Women Leaders in College Sports Institute Administrative Advancement graduate. Shout out to Women Leaders. I'm excited for 2020 myself. Um, please share your benefit from that program and how you suggest coaches get involved in other professional development programs that are available. Yeah, kudos to uh, women leaders in college sports and the mentors that I had that suggested that I attend this uh, institute. 
because I will tell you, um, at first when I was on the bus coming from the airport, I thought I was, you know, um, going to be in a, a cult reform, um, in Atlanta. However, I will say that, um, we, we came together as a, as a sisterhood. Um, they always say that it's a group of sisters that become lifelong friends. And still to this day, I can reach out to all of them. Um, one, two, one right now, I'll just give a shout out, but happy birthday to Boomer, uh, the Denison um, athletic director, um, Nan Carney DeBoard, um, because we have group chats. We communicate pretty much probably every day um, to bounce off ideas. We know we don't all have the answers. My advice to young coaches is to listen um, and not just volunteer, but also put yourself out there. Um, get yourself out of your comfort zone. Ask questions. Um, I, I thought I was ready when I entered uh, the 2013 um, Institute for Advancement, and I was so confident um, that I thought I was going to be an athletic director then, and the timing wasn't right for me. And there was so much more area that I had to grow and I had to learn and it was because of the people that became friends, not just mentors, but friends that provided insight for me to become a better administrator, a better colleague, um, and just to be that open sponge. So again, I will say suggestions for coaches, but um, reach out, reach out to so many. Um, I, this is an open invitation. Feel free to send me an email. I will make time for everyone. If for some reason I do not respond right away, send it again and I will get back to you. I, I can assure you of that. But I think the biggest thing is, is as much as we say about growing the game, we need to grow um, sport and the people that are having an impact in it because it eventually brings society together. Thank you for that, Jen. And please guys, feel free to drop in the chat like any questions or if you want to reach out to any of our panelists, um, like Jen said, shoot them an email. I can, Jen is really good too. <laughs> I responded to emails and texts and four other panelists. And you have touched based on mentors and people reaching out to you. Uh, so, Jeff, for coaches who are exploring other areas in athletics after their coaching career, and student athletes seeking to explore coaching opportunities or athletic ad administration, could you shed some light on the difference and importance of having a mentor, sponsor, and resources? You know, I, I'm not sure it's so much about having a mentor, Tony, as much as it is, is, is having a network where you can actually reach out to different people who have different resources available to them. Uh, when I decided to make the transition from coaching to administration, you know, I started contact, uh, contacting ADs. I spoke with the commissioner of the current conference that I was working in. You know, you're speaking to people who are in the role that maybe you're looking at. And you're trying to get a sense of what does that job entail? What is the difference between what you would be going to versus what you're participating in now? And I think that, you know, there is some changes. When you're coaching, coaching is extremely dynamic. You know, it's something where you're on the go all the time. And I do think when you're going from the coaching world to the administrative world, you have to be mindful of the fact that you're now talking to a different group of people who may at times look at you a little bit askance because they're concerned, you know, is this a person that's really going to go get in an office for seven, eight hours a day, work behind a computer, do the type of things communicatively that you need to do to be a successful administrator, or even if it's working with student athletes in the, in the campus environment, 
it is different than what you do in your day-to-day when you're coaching. And even though that day-to-day in coaching extremely long. So I think it's really doing the things to, to get people comfortable um, that you're going to be able to work in that new environment. And I think a lot of it comes down to, uh, you know, having people who can support that notion on your behalf, you know, whether it's an athletic director, um, whether it's people that you've had meetings for, that you've interacted with as a coach, who now can look at you beyond the, the, the prism of coaching, but can see things in you that um, they know will transition into being a successful administrator. Jeff touched on a good point. It's not just knowing, calling names of a bunch of people, but having that network who knows you and getting to know them on a personal level and giving them the opportunity to get you on a to get to know you on a personal level. Thank you for that, Jeff. Now I know our attendees are looking at where you are now and kind of want to dive into how not only how you got to where you are, but why and what implemented that decision. So Jeff, you had 30 years of basketball coaching under your career under with different institutions before your current role at the Big 12. So talk to us about how you use your coaching experience to market yourself as the right candidate for that position and how your coaching experience prepared you for that role. Well, I think all coaches, because you have so many different things on your plate, you know, you're, you're doing development. If you're recruiting, you're doing development. If you're, you know, counting dollars, you're doing budgeting. You know, you're, you're doing outreach. Just about every facet um, that would fall under the auspices of an administrative role, you've had some type of exposure to. So you may not necessarily know what, what, what an RFP is when you first take the job. You may not necessarily know um, what it takes to put on a championship, whether it's a basketball championship, whether it's a baseball championship. You may not even understand all the little different things that make up compliance. But because you're used to solving problems, you're used to being in a situation and trying to figure out how to navigate through successfully, you're going to have a foundation that's going to allow you to figure things out. You know, I think, again, you've got to have an open-mindedness. You have to be a little bit sponge-like. You've got to be willing to take risks, just like you would when you first get into coaching. You've got to have a, uh, a sense of, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get out here and I may make a mistake or two, but I know I'm going to get better from those mistakes. And I think if you have that approach and you're willing to put yourself in those uncomfortable situations and then figure a way out, um, it, it'll normally breed well. Thank you for that. And honestly, I learned what an RFP was on the job. I didn't know prior. <laughs> I didn't know the degree prior. And luckily, I had a good resource to help me out. So coaches, don't sell yourself short. You know, there's a lot of skills you can transfer into working into administration. And I'm excited for these two parts. So Jen and Preston actually both um, did coaching and work in administration at the same time. However, uh, Jen chose a different route. So Jen, what influenced you uh, to move into athletic administration and talk to everyone about how you serve as an athletic director as well as a coach and when you decided to make that move? Sure. So of course that there's a lot of us that think that, um, you know, we can handle everything and we just continue to say yes, 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 and yes to whatever comes across our desk, um, especially being uh, young, because we think we can take it all on. But it comes a time where you feel um, as if you're being a disservice to some. 
And when I was hired in the June um, of 2018, as the athletic director, uh, one thing that came across my desk was, are you staying on as a coach? I've seen numerous people that uh, coach and are athletic directors, um, and kudos to all of you. I felt uh, during the time with so much change and fear of unknown that I had to decide to make uh, that my last year uh, as a head coach. Uh, with that being said, I also had to say no to a lot of people and what I would do in the past. I used to be involved with uh, the New Jersey Association for Intercollegiate Athletics for Women, um, one of the oldest NJAIAW organizations. I had to step away from that. I had to step away because I just had to make sure that I put my, um, I had to put FDU um, at the forefront of it. And it didn't mean that I wasn't going to go back and support others and what their um, ideas would be. But at the time, that was the biggest thing I had to decide. The second thing is, as I will say, as um, an athletic director and um, also being the chair of the field hockey committee that year, it was really, really difficult to balance being a chair and being on the road for running a championship with the NCAA. But then I wasn't at home for our opening basketball weekend. Um, and that's where I decided that, you know what, as much as you want to do when you want to do, you got to stay uh, focused at the task at hand right in front of you. And that was within our department. So one thing I will say to young coaches, yes, put yourself out there, but you also have to know when the right time is to say no and say, unfortunately, at this time, I cannot commit to something or I cannot commit to this endeavor. And they'll respect that and they'll understand that. Um, and then when you are able to pick up again, add more things to that list, because as much as you think you can plan so many things come up in lieu, and um, I will say this, I've been trying to do evaluations for my winter sports for the past two months now, being that it's over, and every single week on my department meeting agenda, I said, I promise I will get to you, and we laugh about it, but on the same token, just things keep... ...at that current time, and it's not that I don't definitely do, but it's just a matter of putting forth what's the most important at that time. Then you made a great point of knowing when to step back and when to say no. And this is not only for coaches, but people across the board where they try to take on so much and they think, oh, because I'm at the senior level role, I need to take on a lot. Guys learn to know when to step back and say no and ask for help. Jen, thank you. That was an exceptional point. And similar to Jen, Preston, you held two positions at the same time. Kudos to you both. But Preston, you decided to go a different route. At Rich and Bland, you serve as the assistant athletic director in addition to coaching, but you decided to pursue a coaching position at Hofstra. How did you decide to pursue coaching instead of athletic administration when you were looking for that next opportunity? Yeah, well, I mean, Jen kind of alluded to it as well as, you know, just being able to focus in on one thing. Uh, you know, being in that dual role, um, and I love junior college, my experience at the junior college level. So coaches, you know, if you are looking to, uh, to get into administration, you might have to do the dual role um, at the junior college level. But, um, you know, doing that, and I had done it for eight years, um, it, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Overseeing four sports on top of my own, um, you know, so doing that was, was getting to be very difficult. Um, and then the opportunity to be able to come back to New York. Um, my family's originally from here. So we had 
talked about, you know, opportunity and fit. Uh, so for me to be able to come back uh, home pretty much um, was a really good fit for my family and I. So, you know, knew I needed to, to go in one direction. Um, it just so happened that fit and opportunity uh, was able to bring me back here. So, you know, that's it. But, um, you know, I would say administratively, coaches, you can do the administrative route. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm actually going to leave this question to you, Preston, and then have Jen add anything that she wants to add on. Um, during COVID, you know, there's been a lot of budget cuts, a lot of layoffs and furlough, and administration has been asking their employees to take on extra roles. People have having to do things that either they never thought they would do, they never expected, or just don't have the experience for. So what advice do you have for coaches and administrators in developing new skills during this time in preparation of taking on additional roles you can lay off? Um, you know, it's, it's just being as, as helpful as possible. You know, I, I think everybody has um, a piece of them they haven't unlocked yet you know, because they feel like they're just kind of pigeonholed in doing, you know, whatever their job title is. Now is really that opportunity to branch out and try to still have value for your institution. So, you know, whether it's, hey, I'm really interested in nutrition, you know, let me try to figure out a way to be able to help my institution or university that way. Uh, one of my pet projects this past year was just mental health and really diving into that. Uh, and being able to try to create a program for our student athletes. So, you know, be as helpful as possible, volunteer where you can, but then also too, there's other things that you have passion for that, that have a wealth of value for your institution. So now being able to kind of steer that and then present it and say, hey, this is something that I'm really passionate about that I would like to do to be able to help, um, you know, help the department. Right. Jen, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I just would add on to it. Um, you know, being a predecessor of a former athletic director that was not the most tech savvy, um, I think that it's really important that we've all kind of learned um, the, the world of Zoom, the world of, you know, social media, social media platforms, technology at its finest. And um, I will say, I am not the expert. I have been Zoom bombed. I have been, um, you know, uh, music has been coming on during it. And I, I have to laugh, but I also think it makes you take a step back and realize that we are teaching during this process. So um, for the young coaches or anybody else that may have been furloughed or anything, you're already doing the right thing. You're here. You're being involved in MOA and the symposium. Uh, webinars are fantastic, uh, Zoom calls, uh, read leadership books, read different books, listen to different podcasts that people are there. Um, one thing that I miss is my two-hour commute and listening to those podcasts um, every week, um, hearing from new ADs. Um, right. it, it, it's crazy to hear that, but you get into this uh, this normalcy and, and you create it. So I would just say, continue to be that sponge, look online. Uh, Google is amazing. You can Google things and you can find um, an area to learn as well. Right. Thank you for that. And one last question before we hit the Q&A. Uh, we have like about two more minutes. As a leader, we know we pride ourselves on diverse 
in diversity and inclusion, diversity and inclusion, let me stress that. How do you work towards having not only a diverse staff, but also an inclusive staff at your institution? So if you or you want to just give like a brief on that. I'll just jump in first, uh, Jeff and Preston, and um, we actually just got off a call this morning at 12 o'clock in um, light of what's been occurring within our country. And the biggest thing is, as I will say, is conversation. It starts with communicating. It starts with allowing that um, safe space, um, allow it, allowing to have that judgment-free zone. And um, I think that's really important because if we're asking our teams to come together and we're asking for this, um, this team dynamic, well, I need to have that amongst our staff as well. So um, that's our first step. So we've been conversing a lot impromptu. Um, and um, I just think it's important that we continue to educate um, diversity training, inclusion training, because there's so much out there. Um, that we, we, we just are starting to scratch the surface of, and there's so much more that I know that I can learn and that I can educate others on as well. Jeff, do you want to take the next? Yeah, my mind, I'm sorry, Preston, go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I, I really think you just want to be purposeful about it. You know, I think whether it's hiring, um, whether it's uh, how you interact with the people that you are serving, um, you know, I'm fortunate where I work in a conference office where in our senior team, we have three African-American males, we have three females. You know, I think the organization that I work with had a purposeful thought in regards to how they wanted to handle their diversity. And I think when you bring people of diverse backgrounds, of diverse ethnicities, all into the same room, just by the nature of natural conversation, you're going to have the ability to influence how people look at things, how people see things, how, how people formulate maybe a different path and a different way of looking at, you know, the challenges that await us not only within the sports community, but in the normal community or the outside community, so to speak. So, you know, I think when you're in an environment where people are purposeful about how they're assembling their staff, how people are interacting with each other, um, how people are having discourse about topics that are important beyond just athletics, then you have an environment where you can be somewhat successful. Okay. Thank you for that. And now, Preston, do you want to close this off? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, be real short and brief about it because Jen and, and Jeff both kind of hit, hit the nail on the head. Um, I think, too, you also, in the space that you're in, uh, want to be able to have those conversations, but also to any space that you now want to go to. Janet's spoken about fit, you know, kind of looking at that. And is this a place where, you know, I can have these conversations? Will I feel comfortable having those types of conversations? Um, so just being purposeful in that way. Thank you for that. I have to stress diversity and inclusion because if you're going to have a diverse staff, you know, it's important to give them um, a voice and to include them in everything. So diversity goes with inclusion. Thank you all for that. Now let's check the chat to see if we have any questions. Yes, Tony, we have a couple of questions here. Nadia asks, as a former head coach, how do I make my skills transferable? And do I need to start all over again when I'm trying to get into administration? So that's for anyone on the panel. Well, this is Jeff. Um, one, you already have the skills if you've been the head coach. There's just too many things that you've engaged yourself in that 
that you've had to participate in, you're, you're already ready. You don't have to start over, but you are going to be in a situation where just like, you know, there are certain things that are nuanced to the sport that you coach. You know, there are certain things that are nuanced to being an administrator and you're going to have to learn those things, but it's not going to take long. And as long as you're open-minded and you're willing to put forth the effort and maybe more importantly, willing to listen, I don't see any reason why you won't have the opportunity to make the transition. That's a great answer. Yeah. Did anyone want to add on to that or? Um, I would just chime in um, and just be, be purposeful of who, who you reach out to. Um, and when you do reach out to them, depending on if it's just somebody out of the blue or somebody that you feel um, connected to, to be able to kind of ask, okay, can you help me with what transitional pieces are for this role? Um, I think that's, that's an important piece as well. But like Jeff said, you, you have the skills. So now it's just uh, figuring out how to equate it to the, your next position. Thank you for that. Okay. Oh, Jen, Jen is going to ask. Yeah, just the and, last thing that I would say is, um, you know, the fear of unknown, you're going to have the fear of the unknown. You're going to feel um, scared and uh, timid at times. Um, but again, it's being able to step out and, and, and say that you don't have all the answers. And um, people will respond. They might not respond right away, but they will help out. Um, this is the first time I met Jeff and Preston, and I'm just learning from them from the two times that we had conversations. Uh, so don't hesitate to reach out. Don't hesitate to ask others um, because they will assist you. And the best thing is, is I, I, I said this earlier, but sport brings people together. It's these symposiums, it's NACTA, it's women college leaders, it's the NCAA, it's the committees that everybody is creating that there's a platform for us to find those resources. Because again, not all of us have all of the answers. Okay, so we have another question here. Um, what do you do when you get the urge to go back to coaching? Uh, never share that with an administrator. Be better <laughs> as to Because one of the first things that any administrator is going to ask to somebody who's been in coaching for an extended period of time, because it is an addictive profession, is, okay, so are you thinking about going back to coaching? And if you uh, give them a sense that be plausible, that may hurt your opportunities because they are concerned because it is a different lifestyle. It, again, as I said earlier, it's not as dynamic. It's not as always engaged in the same type of uh, environment. It, there are perks that don't exist anymore. So uh, there is, I think, amongst administrators some concern about people who are making that transition and whether they're doing it just because they want a job or they're doing it because they want a career. So um, uh, my advice would be, if, if you do have that urge, keep it to yourself. Uh, I would say um, find a CYO or Pop Warner team to be able to interact with the youth if you feel like getting back into coaching. Um, you know, because to be quite, quite frank, yeah, that's, that's not the way to go and your administration will be very, very uh, on edge. But there are a lot of really good, um, you know, students who are at a younger age that could definitely benefit from years and years of 
you know, whether it's high school coaching or college coaching, those experiences. So if you do have that urge, I would say volunteer, um, you know, and really help, help our youth. Jen, did you want to add to that? I think they both hit it right <laughs> on the head. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I said it earlier, guys, find your passion. <laughs> I have another question here. How did you cultivate the relationships to assist in your transition to administration? Uh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, for me, it was... Um, it was kind of unique because I wasn't new. Um, I was part of the institution for 18 years. So how do I decipher myself from being just a coach or an associate AD to then becoming um, a leader? And I will say it was actions. Um, I had to follow and be mindful all the words that I were, I were speaking and I had to put it into actions. And I I really wrote down a plan. I, I, I created um, a one-year plan. They always ask, like, what's your first? 30 days on your job what's your 60 day or 30 60 90 and I said really I look at this as what's my entire year it's setting goals for myself it's being open for constructive criticisms um it's it's being able to have my coaches also evaluate me I think that's something that um is very very uh, meaningful that when you're at the top it, it, it's okay to say you've made mistakes and that I'm sorry because uh, again like I said I'm not perfect but I, I want to strive to be better every single day. Jeff, did you want to add to that? No, I'm good. I'll let Preston go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would just say, um, you know, just be, just be mindful, be purposeful. Um, I think a lot of times, and Jeff had, had mentioned it before, people just trying to look for mentors and they're, they're just trying to find anybody who's the highest person I can get on the phone and try to build a relationship with them. But that's not going to be as mindful um, and as purposeful as somebody who, you know, might be in the same industry, but maybe somewhere down the line that you actually do have a connection with. And you just, you just grow it. It's, it's not going to happen in a vacuum. It's not going to be instant, uh, but just be mindful and purposeful in that way. And, and the right opportunities will, will put themselves in front of you. Thank you, Preston. Tony, those are all the questions we have at this point, so you can um, close the session. Perfect. Thanks, Renee. And thank you, Preston, Jeff, and Jen, for taking the time with us to share your story. I hope this is encouraging to someone looking to make similar career moves. And now our next session will begin momentarily. Thank you all. May you have a good day. Thanks, Thank everybody. you, everyone.